0: You know all the wet one oh, and it's up beautiful- Welcome to For Fox's Sake, my name is Pete Selby I'm alongside Rob Hayes live from the King Power Stadium, Rob.
1: We are not talking down a phone line for the first time in a very, very long time. We are sat next to each other in the commentary box for what we reckon is the first time in the best part of half a decade and the first time we've been sat next to each other in the same room for almost two years. But here we are.
0: Here we are indeed. So if you can hear in the background, uh, hello to welcome to King Power Stadium, etc. And messages regarding don't smoke. So don't smoke out there. Don't smoke in your seat. If you're caught smoking in your seat in the concourses or toilets. Anyway, so basically you've got the noise of the King Power Stadium in the background for our home game against Preston. But of course, we're put in for Fox's sake first. So we're doing the podcast before the game. And the plan is to then do a little bit at half time and then maybe after the game as well. So that's kind of the... uh, the, the the scene here so at the moment we have uh, the goalkeeping coaches and the goalkeepers out on the field of play and a smatting of people uh, around the King Power Stadium but uh, Rob we're on the back of a very good win uh, against Blackburn Rovers um, to which we ended up scoring four goals. I actually missed the final uh, two of them. Yes, I was on the Marco Simoni course in Rome watching uh, the Ryder Cup, the singles day. That was amazing. And I tried to keep abreast of what was happening uh, at uh, Ewood Park and I just about got it. And then when Vardy scored the second, um, that was the, the notification that came through. The first one was saying it's 1-1. So I was like, okay. And then when Vardy scored, that was the clear notification. And uh, all of a sudden, it's not like McElroy was standing over a putt on the sixth hole that wasn't the case but he was kind of prowling around the putt when all of a sudden there was a shout of buddy from behind the green and I got quite a few hundred people kind of look my way uh, to which one person kind of went yeah like so I don't know whether he was a fox or not but uh, yeah but a good win
1: at Ewood Park yeah very good win Uh, Here come the teams out for the warm-up, by the way. Uh, Talking of the Vardy goal, if that's where we're gonna start, that was vintage Vardy, and we've been questioning, probably in the last couple of years on the podcast, is, is Vardy past it? And we've said a few times he's gone in behind, and you're thinking Vardy would take one touch in the box, finish it off, no problem, and he's not really looked that sharp. But we did also say at the start of this season, in the championship, Vardy is still gonna be one of the best strikers in the division, if not the best striker in the division, regardless of his age. And the way he took that goal was like it was in that run of 11 consecutive games. So instinctive, great first touch, super finish. And I think it was important because, as Maresca observed after the game, Leicester, once they made the mistake to allow Blackburn to level so early, were kind of a little bit like, oh, it was less aggressive for about 20 minutes Vardy comes up with a classic Vardy goal and I I think we were in control from there
0: yeah I, I do as well it was nice that we scored Look, it was nice to hear uh, Fass actually at the end of the game nice to hear him talk it's uh, I don't think it's the first time I heard Fass actually say something and uh, I got a, a very loose impression that he just sounded really up for it as well really up for I, I don't know whether it sounds silly or whether I'm just completely imagining it but in his first few sentences the way he spoke it sounded like i am bang up for winning this league and that's why i stayed here now maybe it's because a move never materialized everywhere else that's probably the case with a few of the players but it don't matter that's been and gone he sounded well up for it and the fact they scored his first goal excellent um the transformation of wilfred and Didi into this ball playing number eight uh, I, I think it's just going to be amusing all year because let's face it it's not going to work in the premier league we're going to need better players than that, but we're not there yet. So we might as well enjoy this chaotic Wilfred Ndidi in this position. But you have to say it was a fantastic ball across for Vardy. First of all picked out by Fatou with his pass down, the, down the, the line. Thoroughly, thoroughly looking forward to him this evening. Uh, but that's a different matter. But it's, it's another example. It's another... I seem to remember last time actually I was holding the microphone in this way is when I was at the Blind Football World Cup and I was—I think I was saying a few episodes ago that I, I even know Wilfred Ndidi might do some good things. I think it was on the back of the, the goal he scored at Burton. He might actually do one or two nice pieces of skill, nice finishes, but I still don't think that's the player or that's the position for him. I, as time goes by, I, I don't think it really matters in this league because you've got a very happy Wilfred Ndidi playing in a very happy... And at the moment, team that's winning. So all of a sudden, he's going back into the form that we saw years and years ago. He's, he's the player that he was, but in a different position. So yes, he's, he's slightly all over the place. But it's working purely because of what we said at the start of the season. Some of these players are just generally better than the majority of this league.
1: Yeah, and what they've also done is that Ndidi is clearly one of those that's bought into the system and bought into Moresca and what he's trying to do and indeed he like you can tell by his face that he's just he's enjoying being at Leicester he's always enjoyed being at Leicester he likes it here and he said look if I can learn something new off this manager and learn how to play a slightly different position then great and let's be perfectly honest Yes, we talk about Wilfred Ndidi and, and saying uh, this man is first and foremost a defensive midfielder. The amount of excellent tackles he's put in to stop counterattacks, aerial battles, the amount of time he sticks out one of his long legs and, and, and stops the opposition from getting into our defensive third uh, over the years in Leicestershire, is, like, you couldn't count them. But at the base of the midfield in this system, you wouldn't trust him there. You wouldn't trust him there as far as you could throw him there. You've got to play him in this number eight role because... His physical attributes are largely better than his technical attributes. And he is being asked to get up and down and up and down. And you've seen towards the end of some of the games that he's started, he's been absolutely knackered because he's given everything to it. And one second he's on the edge of our box, the next second he's in their penalty area or, or flashing that ball across for Vardy. And in the championship, he is going to be one of the best midfielders, despite the fact he's only eight games into or nine games into this Particular version of himself as a central midfielder. It's just great to watch. It's fun to watch, isn't it? I did wonder how long it would take you to get Fatawu in as well. I'm surprised you didn't mention him when you talked about the fast goal, and it was a uh, Fatawu cross for it in the first place. But uh, is he still the best player ever to wear a Leicester shirt? I say the best
0: player, but <laughs> it, uh, uh, his, his upward curve is still it's still going upwards. It's uh, he, he, everyone has seen now, haven't they? That this guy has an awful lot of quality and. We're waiting for that one game for him to properly explode, score a couple and just really stand out. But what he's done so far, he's still doing what I said in the very first what 40 minutes or 40 minutes plus one game where everything he does seems to be accurate. Whether that's a dribble, whether that's a short pass, whether that's a cross field ball or whether it's... Uh, being in the right place at the right time and playing the easy pass or not playing the easy pass playing the pass that he should have done for the Ndidi goal uh, for the Ndidi cross for Vardy that was yes it was a good pass but it was the obvious pass and it was to perfection so again it's that it's that accuracy it's that to perfection that I'm You don't get that with wingers. Wingers are meant to be unpredictable and occasional flashes of brilliance. And occasionally they might not fall over the ball, but try something and it doesn't quite work because that's what you want from wingers. You want them to do the unexpected and occasionally when something comes off, if someone does a step over, that's what you remember, not the three times they tried to do something prior. But somehow we've got this winger who never really concedes possession but not also is one of those stuttering wingers who decides to not actually take on the fullback and just pass the ball backwards that we've seen countless of them over the years at King Power and also uh, just generally in football especially at this level and so we're looking at the team news now and we've got more and more injuries in the squad more and more injuries in the first team but yet I'd say that's probably our strongest team that we can put out. With Cody coming in for Vestergaard, uh, Vass at the back with Pereira, there was rumours maybe that Pereira wouldn't be playing, it would be someone like Hamza Chowdhury. Winks and Didi, Dewsbury Hall, Fatou, Vardy, Mavididi. I, I think it's pretty hard to say that that's not the first team for
1: Leicester at the moment.
0: Yes, Vestergaard aside, but when you're suspended, you're suspended.
1: Yeah, and we always we talked the last episode about when and where does Cody fit back in, and it's almost perfect for him that Vestergaard is suspended, and it's the perfect way for uh, Maresca to get Cody back into, well, to get Cody into the team in the championship, really, because of his uh, competitive debut not coming till till uh, Anfield because of the injury. Uh, a lot of people talking before the game would, would there be a lot of changes to the team because the last couple of midweek games there have been. But your thing is, you're off the back of a 4-1 win against Blackburn at the weekend. You're playing as as currently the second-place side in the division against the third-place side in the division, who are also smarting from a 4-0 defeat at the weekend. The changes have worked so far in, in many ways and shapes and forms, but at some point you've got to trust these players to put together a run of a few games in a row. And, yeah, there won't have been a lot of training uh, occurring between uh, the weekend's game, Sunday and, and tonight, Wednesday night, uh, it will have been recovery, recovery, bit of tactics, that kind of stuff. But players, I'm sure, would, be, would prefer to be playing games, and somebody like Fatowu is going to have his best game in Leicestershire when he's getting regular minutes and when he's getting consistency. The midfield three are well established as, as the first choice midfield three. Uh, the defence is as it could be, as it, as it must be, because Doyle's out and Justin's in there. And then Vardy over Acho I think, is, is a natural choice. Uh, he'll probably get less minutes tonight than he did against Blackburn, uh, particularly if things are going well. But you, you also look at the bench and you think nobody's batted an eyelid at any point this season when those players have come in. And I said to you when we got it, I looked at the back of the programme and the Preston squad, in terms of those who've got squad numbers, is bigger than the Leicester squad, which surprised me because I thought we had one of the greatest squad depth in the in the division but you look at the bench casade I think's a bit of a luxury player really but and part of the leadership team Iheanacho uh, natural goal scorer now back in the fold after starting against Liverpool Chaudhry's captain the side and has been trusted in the Ricardo Pereira role Dak has reappeared from nowhere Atgun's not as bad as I think we thought he was a few weeks ago I'm not saying he's great but he doesn't look as bad Marcel's back after doing a couple of good games for the under-21s and finding himself out of it. So there will be changes tonight during the game, but it's, he started with the strongest team and that's, that's a statement of intent against Preston.
0: Absolutely, and uh, the last word you say, against Preston, the next game this weekend at home to Stoke, a very poor, at the moment, Stoke side who are being turned over. Now, I know you can't... I'm not saying that they've played the best team here and then on Saturday they'll make changes... But I can't help but look at the bench and go Ianacho, Chowdhury, maybe even Atgun and go I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those start against Stoke. Uh, Atgun, very interesting because the things he wasn't doing when he was out wide on his debut, the stuttering to players, the not beating players, the not even trying to beat players, all that. that you know, I, I, I did actually say that it, it could be just froze. But what he did, he took the safe option. Well, all of a sudden, it's turned into he's not actually a winger we're playing him as number eight so what he's doing is actually he's, he's a fairly comfortable footballer he will make an easy pass he will be able to lay the ball off he's actually got a bit of a football brain now I don't think he's going to be a world beater but if you're if you're playing out wide and you're stuttering and taking the easy option but still controlling the ball well and passing the ball crisply and that but not being a winger move inside and all of a sudden that's what actually we need that's what we want a nice little competent player in that role um, I'd love to see maybe Cassaday get a, uh, a start on Saturday I think that might be a, a boost for his confidence uh, against uh, a fairly sizable it's, it's not quite the Stoke of old obviously but still a fairly sizable side um, but but I think that's the case looking at the bench now I'd imagine there'll be a number of changes the interesting decision is of course with Justin because what happens when Vestergaard is then available for selection well he would have missed the game today you'd imagine he'll come back in against Stoke but what happens then does he instantly come in for Cody and you say right Cody play as long as you can today and we can always bring Suter on and then if you feel that we're going to bring you back gently how about Vestergaard comes in on Saturday you can then come on for Vestergaard maybe for the last half an hour, 20 minutes, if things are comfortable. It's quite a nice scenario to build this through. We haven't got to that stage yet where Cody, Vestergaard, Vass, Justin are all available. Because when, that's, when that occurs, it will be a bit of a question mark and they'll have to look at who's got that bit of pace at the back and there will be a, a big question to answer. But I think if you're top of the league, and they're going to be chopping and changing players. I just don't think it matters. I think the squad rotation that um, that the manager Enzo Ma- uh, Maresco has, has, has employed, uh, first of all, it's worked because we've been winning games. Secondly, yes, he has got a really good squad, but I, I've really enjoyed the way he's gone about it. If anyone starts sulking because of it, it's ridiculous because you're winning games. Someone like Coletti Nacho, he looks like he's having a really good time because, again, he's looking at a probable or possible... Uh, league winners medal here, and if Vardy's ahead of him scoring goals, he understands. He's been here for so long; he knows exactly that Vardy's the king, and it's going to be the case. And so does everybody else. And um, and finally, just on this little bit, one player in particular, Chowdhury, given a four-year contract, I'm amazed that they gave him four years. But if um, Enzo looks at him and goes, "There's a player that I like. He can. He's improved his passing. We know he's a good tackler, and also." He thinks that he can play in two positions. He can play that central midfield role that Winks currently operates and is arguably number two to Winks in that position. Uh, you'd say maybe even someone like Mark Albrighton could play there. I'd have him there ahead of Wilfred Ndidi by a mile just through being a tiny footballer. Who knows that he might be moulding and that good into that role. You never know. But I, I think he sees Chowder as a player with all the possibility and all the... Um, the improvement still of say a 19 year old even though he's in his mid early mid 20s so he's and, and i think he can obviously play in that right back role to that push forward into midfield i mean in theory that could be a absolutely bang ideal position for someone like chowdhury so I, I would imagine that the club would have wanted to have given him a contract but i think it would have probably been from the manager saying i want him to have a, a decent contract because i see him here as a leader i see him here as a, a possible captain on occasion which he's obviously done this season but also I think Maresca looks at him and goes I can mould him into a player the way that uh, Brendan Rodgers couldn't and openly said to the Leicester public that I just don't think he's going to actually make it, it as
1: a, uh, a decent Premier League player That That's the consideration from a footballing side and I, I agree with everything that you've said uh, You've also got to look at it from a business point of view in that we spent large parts of uh, the podcast episodes last season and, and the social media pages were full of fans with the same ideas. How can a club allow so many first team players to run down so many contracts and, and have the mass exodus that we had this summer when loads of players went for absolutely nothing? How can you let that happen? Hamza is a is an asset to the club and would command a reasonable transfer fee when in contract at Leicester if he, was, if he was later down the line surplus to requirements. So having him here on four years, three years, two years, doesn't really matter. The four-year deal ultimately means that his price tag is a little bit higher. And if he has a great season with Leicester this season, and it, all the indications are that he's going to do very well this season because he's, he's started the season brilliantly, and then you get to the Premier League and Maresca says he's not quite at that level, Um, and he might do the same with Ndidi as we've been talking about earlier then you've got Hamza Chowdhury with three years still left on his deal or four years left on his deal whatever, and you can sell him rather than him running down his contract if you don't want him at the club anymore also if you're Chowdhury and you've come back from a season on loan at Watford and you've basically been out of the picture you're probably not going to sign a shorter extension because that would be the club saying to you well we're still not totally sure whether we want you here long term or not So he's probably dug his heels in from that point of view as well. I don't think it's a bad thing at all for Leicester because you're not going to struggle to get rid of Chowdhury. Because any championship club would take him easy.
0: I think also, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I'll nod in my head along with what you're saying. Absolutely. And also, let's look at the best case scenario. Leicester get promoted. Next season, it will all be about establishing yourself in the Premier League not going down okay you take 17 16th place obviously you want to aim higher but that's where you want to Chowdhury will be a, a focal point of that he'll be a very useful member of the side or of the squad in that season if things go really well and Leicester finish in 12th and Maresca's still here and all of a sudden we spend 100 million 90 million on players I don't know I'm just, I'm, and all of a sudden his place in the first-team squad starts to become a slight... Absolutely your point of view. Here's a player with two years left in his contract, not one year, and he's not going to then run down that one year. He's for two, and if we do then sell him on, we'll at least get some half-decent money because he's on that deal. Yeah, I, I think that's probably what the club are looking at now, going, well, for that best-case scenario, why not aim for that? And, uh, and again, if it doesn't work out this season and I don't know maybe the, it turns into a, a three horse race for promotion Leicester unfortunately finish third and miss out on the playoffs then again we've got a player still that will be very very useful next season so there you go I think I've answered we both answered that, that question pretty well um, it's part of the pod- I, I, again I, it raised my eyebrow but there we go that's, that's I think it's a very very uh, solid argument for why it's a four year deal um, just looking at some of the players on the bench uh, I thought Souto did obviously very well against Liverpool you were there so you would know more on that but
1: it was. How surprised were you to see Daka come onto the field of play at Anfield? Yeah, very. Considering we've we've mentioned that there's this that there was this big rumour that that um, Salzburg would be due a big big payout if he made one more appearance for Leicester. I don't know whether that's still the case, and it's a league appearance. I don't know. Nobody seems to know if that actually exists or not. But the rumours gathered a lot of pace from that. Uh, I was surprised to see him come on because he's been out in the cold, hardly in a matchday squad, and then appears on the bench and then comes on against Liverpool and then doesn't do an awful lot. He did put the ball through for Ndidi who fluffed his lines when he could have made it 2-2 but apart from that he looked like the Patson and that's always been at Leicester, a player that is fairly one-dimensional as a striker and this is not, just like the Brendan Rodgers system wasn't, this is not the system that's necessarily going to suit him. I'm not saying that based entirely on his cameo at Liverpool uh, but I didn't see anything to change my mind. Uh, it might have just been a case that Maresca thought well what's the worst that can happen and is this really the game to risk somebody else who I've got more of an eye on using more this season um, and just will lob Dakar on. I agree with what you said about Suter. It's clear that he's he was similar to Dakar out of the picture first few games not really making a match day squad but his attributes are Heading the ball away, being strong in a tackle. And I still think he's tidy on the ball. He's not quite as good as Vestergaard, but he's still tidy on the ball. He's not just a head-it, kick-it kind of defender. And I think he acquitted himself very well against Liverpool. He looked calm, he looked assured, even when... And I've got to get my 30-second Liverpool rant out here while we're on it. Even when we insisted on playing this Maresca style of football that was getting us tackled by our own corner flag on Double figures number of occasions. I, I i got I got a little bugbear about what Maresca said post-match. There, he said that he was he, they came here to try and play face to face with a Premier League opponent and still play our way. Yes, first and foremost, fine. Come and try and play your own style at Anfield, whatever. Despite the fact you've made a, a million changes and you're playing against a Premier League team, fine. But when it's quite clear that they're pressing so high you can't do it and the only way we got out was by lifting a ball into midfield for Cassaday or even um, striker coming in deeper Acho and, and linking the play they were the only ways we got out we never got out by uh, tippy tapping around on the edge of our own box we got into trouble Liverpool could have won that game 10-1 comfortably that's not an exaggeration so it annoyed me that he didn't come out after and say we came to try and win the game I'm not, I wasn't expecting us to win, but it, it sounded to me like a training exercise, which i spent 27 quid on a ticket, a three hour drive in the traffic to get from Sheffield to Liverpool. I didn't want to watch an open training session. I wanted to watch Leicester having a go. Yes, we had our chances. It was nice to score at Anfield. It was close-ish at times in scoreline, but I, I didn't really appreciate the way that he worded his post-match press conference.
0: And also the fact that we were 1-0 up as well. If you're 1-0 up, you can, can change the way you play. So you're at Anfield and how about saying to the defence, if you are actually in trouble, if you think, hang on, I'm being swamped and you want to launch it, launch it. If you want to get rid, get rid. You know, you are playing at Anfield and maybe even change some of the the players up top or change around that to to, to have them available to actually receive the ball. So, you know, maybe you're pushing Didi on the forward or something like that so he can receive the ball higher up the pitch. It's... Yeah, well, yeah, I I, I agree and... um, I mean, the way that they're playing, we all know the style of football. We're not going to go into how and why. It's very easy. You know, it would be interesting to see what happens here. I think Preston are probably canny enough um, and well-drilled enough that they're not actually going to be really pressing the ball. So when it won't be Vestergaard, uh, when the centre-halves, Fass and Cody, stand there with the ball, it would be interesting to see how Cody actually gets on with this because you can imagine if Vestergaard was playing, he'd be standing there with his foot on the ball, not even in front of him, on the ball, And he'll be waiting for the Preston to come forward. Preston come forward, you pass the ball forwards, between the lines, uh, wink spins, knocks it out wide, you're on the attack. Very simple how Leicester play really, that's the way they want to play. But if a team just go, all right, we're going to sit back, like properly, properly sit back, that's going to be very interesting and it'll be interesting to see what Cody does in that way because I can see Vestergaard being the sort of person just to roll the ball forward and just go as far up the pitch as possible until Someone then has to come out and then he can do it. I think he's the actual perfect centre-half for this role, for this style of football because he's so comfortable on the ball. But it'd be interesting to see how Cody reacts to that. We know all about his qualities, but we want to see his qualities on the ball because
1: I think they're going to have an awful lot of it today. Yeah, and look, Cody is a a leader, we know that, and I'm really pleased that his absence at the start of the season hasn't caused us as many problems as I thought it would because Cody and Winks were the big signature signings in the summer and basically them two and Vardy would form the spine of the team. Hermanson was quite clearly the keeper they wanted. Those four down the middle, it looked like it was like Moreska's style hinged on them. But Vestergaard's come in and done very well. But I, Cody, I don't think he has as much quality on the ball as Vestergaard. But I think mentally and sort of from a leadership point of view, I think he offers more in those regards. So he's not, even though he lacks a little bit compared to Vestergaard, he's not going to shy away from continuing to play out. And I also think Preston are going to come and have a bit... I know they, they they quite often retreat into sort of a 5 four, one out of possession, but I don't think they're going to do that and get super deep against Leicester. I think they're going to come and want to... to competitive a bit higher up the pitch but it be an interesting one to see uh, how Cody fits in.
0: Yeah it will be. Uh, I think Winks has been just exceptional so far this season and, and it really has worked and I don't know when uh, we obviously don't do it on this podcast being at the ground and we don't do it while things are going really well at the moment. I think if we're so far clear or right up there it'll come to a, a, maybe a, a midweek podcast in between games international week when we could discuss someone like Vestergaard and go what went wrong when he signed what actually happened there like how can players turn around their form so clearly is it is it due to them is it due to the manager uh, is it due to systems or is it just part of everything you know that's something for another day but I think Vestergaard has been exceptional this season and again I, I think as a ball playing centre-half well he's one of the best that I've seen in the Leicester shirt he really is and when you throw in his size and when you throw in the blocks that he does that, that kind of old-school defender that, that you want, you want your centre-half to be able to do that. It makes so much more, it's, it adds so much more to a team when you have that sport if you're that size as well. We know you're going to get that from Bash. you know you're going to get it from Cody. You you want the opposition to be warming up at the King Power like they are now. Looking over and seeing the centre-halves going, they can play, they play in this Mureska way. But also, they're three big lads who throw themselves in front and win everything in the air. You've got Vestergaard alongside Fass and, say, Cody at about three. That's a very tall defence, very powerful, very aggressive, and you just don't want to play against them. And, and also, dare I say, a defence which, if I know in this kind of system they, they play, might well hold their own in the Premier League against the majority of the Premier League.
1: Yeah, the, the argument there is that when you start getting turned around by teams, because naturally you're going to have less possession in the Premier League than you are in the Championship, defenders don't like facing their own goal. And I think Vestergaard is probably the worst player in the squad to have facing his own goal in terms of chasing a through ball because he lacks so much pace. So naturally, I think that their roles would change and the shape of the team would need to change a little bit. And those kind of things would be exposed. I think they were in the first game or two, Vestergaard um, against Coventry. I watched him, his turning circle and his turn of pace, and Coventry got in behind a few times, and I thought, if this is the story of our season, then Connor Cody needs to make a miracle recovery. But Vestergaard's very much settled in. Leicester have, have learned to play a little bit deeper because it enables them to have possession and then move up with the ball up towards halfway. And, like, you see Vestergaard in centre mid a lot of the time. He popped up on the left wing against uh, here against Bristol City uh, last Saturday, that game that I was here for, and he he turned somebody on the left wing, right in front of our commentary position. I was I just, I just looked at Jackie I was commentating with and going, where's that come from? Is he's, he's he's a good footballer? Premier League might be another another thing, but we've got what 37 games to go until then. We well, can hear in the background the uh, the montage, which I think is,
0: is absolutely fantastic. Uh, that's currently being shown at the King Power Stadium. Uh, still plenty of seats to be taken There's some roadworks on Elston which I think, are probably holding up plenty. There's Walsh's header against Arsenal. What a fantastic 3-3 draw that was. There's the uh, Is It Volley in the Don't Go Martin game against Tottenham, as Rob actually gets on commentary. So, uh, yeah, because we are slightly late, we'll say. There's Cotty's goal against Sunderland in the semi-finals of the League Cup, Elliot's header. I'd love to get an audio recording actually of this and then uh, stick it on the podcast maybe as the opening salvo. I quite like actually our uh, opening credits. It's, uh, it's quite emotional, you know what I mean? It's, uh, there's nallis's volley against, uh, was it Leeds, weren't it? There's uh, a header by Steve Howard in League One. That was against Leeds I think as well. Lifting League One. Who lifted the champion, who lifted the League One trophy? It was Matt Oakley, that's right, well done if you got that. There's Woods Volley against Burnley in the Championship. I was right behind that goal in the away end. And we go through all the way through to the Premier League. It was Cambiasso, etc. Anyway, that's what's happening at the King Power. The teams are now uh, walking off. Leicester are in the changing rooms already. Uh, the red shirts of Preston They're making their way off the field of play. So we'll be back at half time. Hopefully Leicester are in front. And that's it for the first part of the podcast. So uh, we'll uh, enjoy, hopefully, the first half. And we'll be back at half-time with our views on the first half and uh, much more on this uh, special, live-ish episode of For Fox Sake. There's All Brighton scoring against Sevilla. I'll stop going through that montage now. See you at half-time. So half time at King Power and it's uh, Leicester 0 Preston 0. Interesting first half. Leicester completely dominated really when it comes interesting Rob as, as in as in it, we're going to talk about it that's why I pulled a face when I said interesting I suppose you are right. Um, I thought Leicester completely dominated really there was a few scares at the end of the first half but out wide, Mavaddi, a lot of space right in front of us. It's the sort of game actually where we could do with a centre forward like Cannon actually in there, because there was a few cries from people around us saying, "Get it in there, get it in there." I kind of half agree on some occasions where mavadidi has got it out wide. I'm thinking. You, you level with the edge of the penalty area. There's a chance now, and he did it a couple of occasions, to bend it in towards the six-yard box or between the six-yard box and the penalty spot where you really want someone like a, a more physical striker, say, then say, Jamie Vardy in there or maybe someone sort of alongside Vardy. It's got that feel of the game where something like a, 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 an easy cross like that can bring a goal. That They're a very well marshalled team off Preston. Very solid. The Potts has been very good, the full-back, the right-back. But it's been all Leicester they've they've failed to have that killer pass to get through this defence but when when you have a team set up as well as Preston it's going to take a special ball to do that of course Leicester have it in them but I'm not saying lofted into the penalty area but I think a more physical striker could have been advantageous to Leicester in that first half
1: yeah I totally agree with you and the, the other thing that you've got here is you've got Jusby Holland and Didi playing in those advanced midfield roles they're the players expected to get beyond Vardy and it's neither of them, it's not their natural game. You know, if you had a, a midfielder, and I'm, I'm only, he, he comes to the top of my head it's but just possible. because I was here the other week for Bristol City. You have a midfielder like Andy King. How good was Andy King at timing those runs into the penalty area to be on hand to get some, quite often close to double figures, if not double figures? Right? Leicester have had three balls in this first half, gone across the six-yard box. Two of them Vardy's put across there, and nobody has has busted a gut to get beyond the Preston defence. Because Vardy's the only player that in, in the squad that is, that is sort of designed to do that, really. And then the other time Vardy was in the box trying to get on the end of the ball across the six-yard box, he'd attacked the near post, and nobody had gone in behind him at the far post. And I've seen it in post-match analysis of lots of other games where the ball's come across, Vardy's made the near post run, he's not making a connection, and either Ndidi or Duesby Hall are just kind of loitering somewhere near the back post, but not gambling on those final couple of steps. And and like you say, a striker that's used to playing high on the last man, like Cannon, would make a difference in a game like this, because Leicester have created the chances, just haven't got anybody committing to that final push. Like, same with um, Mavadidi coming in around the back post, getting on the end of a Fatouou cross, Poor decision-making to try and cushion it back. Fatou's not got himself in the other side for a Mavadidi ball across the penalty area yet. So it's almost like all this neat stuff, Paul Preston side to side, get to the penalty area, and it's kind of a bit like, then what? That's the next question. That's the thing that they've got to solve in the next 45 minutes.
0: Yeah, and and also, the the way I said lock the ball into the penalty area, if you've played all the nice stuff to get in the position where Mavadidi is, let's say, 10 yards from the byline... He's on the left touchline and he's got a bit of space where he can actually move the ball out of his feet and then cross the ball, pick out a man. That's fine. To do that cross is fine from that position because you've worked it into that position. It doesn't then have to always dribble past the player, get to the bar line, cut the ball back. That doesn't always have to happen. Crossing from that angle is is a fantastic thing because if you've got those players coming in a.k.a. a cannon, then it would be it would be a, a, an excellent position to try and create a goal, to try and create a chance, to try and create confusion or, or, or whatever. But I think that's the change I would make at half-time. You've got Ndidi and you've got Dewsbury Hall. Um, in this position, we know that Ndidi can get back to front very, very easily. He can get from his own penalty area to the opposition penalty area very quickly. I don't see, apart from the odd time when Leicester have given the ball away um, Preston really doing like pressurising Leicester and essentially I'm saying that in Didi's position you can take Ndidi off Okay, I don't think his disruptive nature I don't think his tackling ability I don't think it's needed I think you can literally throw someone on in that position and go you're the person to get forward so you've got Cassaday who I would bring on straight away uh, who for me plays so high up the pitch and say look we're, we're going to have the ball out wide so much don't be afraid, Fatou, and um, and on the near side, like the the, the two wingers, Mavadidi. Um, don't be afraid then to get the ball in the penalty area because Casade is going to be in there with Bardi now, and he's obviously a very big lad. So uh, that's the change I would make. Um, he knows. I don't think I, I don't think there's any reason why he would do better than say his position I think we just need someone alongside Vardy or helping Vardy and, and of course if Vardy comes okay. off and they bring Cletchy uh, and Asher on, that doesn't change anything that doesn't change our position but I, I think Cassaday needs to come on because we're
1: having a lot of success out wide or a lot of play out wide but there's no one in the middle and we've been talking about Cassaday quite a lot of length on the podcast so when is the ideal game to get him in when, when can you get Cassidy to get a bit, play himself into a bit of form? I'm not saying by any stretch that he's playing badly, but he's been in the starting lineup, out of the starting lineup, comes on 60 minutes, comes on 70, 75 minutes. This at home, against a team that's sitting off, against a team that really where you said Pete you could take Ndidi out of this Leicester team and you could play with 10 men and I don't think Preston would cause us any more problems so it's almost like a game some people have heard Paul Cassaday like a luxury player and I, I kind of see what they mean by that he's better going forward than he is coming back He doesn't need to do that much defensive work here. I agree with you. Tell him to play much higher. Tell him to get himself in the box. He's already got himself a goal by arriving in the penalty area at the right time this season. So he's clearly capable of it. And I think he's our most forward-thinking central option. Uh, He also offers you the height. So there's a chance to get a couple of higher crosses in there. I think, I think it would be a bold change to do it at half-time, but I think it, I, I would not disagree with it in the slightest. Yeah, you look at the
0: defence and you look at Vass, you look at um, Cody and Justin, and quite often Winks will have the ball. And, and Winks is playing this game with his slippers on. And he'll have the ball in the middle of the park, and they'll come forward and you're looking behind him going, well, we've got those covering players. Like
1: I'm not saying we, don't,
0: we need to get rid of one of them, but in theory, we could do, because... Uh, the way that Preston are playing, I know they've caused a few problems on very rare occasions. I think, again, Potts has got forward down the right really well. He had a good, strong challenge, and he's got a, a quite like him, actually, as a full back, the right-back. But apart from that, there's nothing really. Brady's been quite well marshaled on that side by Pereira. And apart from Leicester giving the ball away, they don't look like they're creating anything at all, Preston. So I think it's up to Leicester to make those changes. I, I, I In this position, I'd love for managers to do that at half-time, instead of waiting for the first 10 minutes to see what happens, I think sometimes it's a bit of a waste because I think the players who know that they're going to come off, and they might be playing okay, like indeed, he has been absolutely fine, he's not really had the greatest first half, he's not had the worst first half. But if if those conversations are being made, he's like, right, you've got 10 minutes to do your stuff. Very rarely does that ever work out, that that player who's going to come off actually does something in that 10 minutes. Normally, you're going through the motions going, right, we're just going to basically weighs 10 minutes or 15 minutes before we make those substitutions so I'd quite like Maresca to be bold and, and maybe make those changes at halftime
1: yeah and Maresca I think said in one of his pre-match press conferences that he was gonna that this game would not would be won in the last 20 minutes and we have seen this a few times this season already where the first half has almost been like a, let's move them around let's probe a little bit if we can get a goal or two, great but look at how many late goals we've scored this season so far, and it's quite clear that the intention here is to, is to keep the ball for long periods of time, tire pressing out, keep pulling them left to right, forward, backwards, keep the ball, and then start to turn the screw as the second half goes on. So for that reason, I think I might have talked myself out of seeing a half-time change, because he's, he's clearly said that he's gonna wait until the last 20 minutes to try and win the game. I understand that to a certain point, but it hasn't done an awful lot to inspire everybody in the first 45 minutes, I wouldn't say. There's been a few times where a Leicester player has had the ball and has considered a forward pass, and you can see that they've considered a forward pass, and we're right near spectators here in boxes and away to our left is spectator seating, and you can hear people going, come on, as if to say, play that forward pass, Try that forward pass. There was a time when they did it completely, not un- 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 necessarily when Cody had the ball in the centre circle. Well, I, n- I know why. Go on. I, I, I
0: now know why. Because the people behind us are actually—they uh, are the friends and the father of a former landlord of my local, <laughs> the Pie in shepston and they're a family of Derby fans. So they're—they're ah. they're here watching watching some good football for a change. And. Um, so they're used to just chucking the ball forward so this kind of football is quite foreign to for them actually they have no idea what's going on so i just had a quick word with them they were, they were talking about the wedding and all that sort of thing so yeah they're derby fans so if we hear anything from behind us anything agricultural not only are they farmers
1: but also they're derby farmers it is it, the point still stands though that every game this season i've seen a lesser player turn down a slightly higher risk forward pass to come back, recycle, start again. And I totally understand. You don't lose football matches if you've got the ball, right? You can't you can't concede a goal if you've got the ball. So I do get it. Our possession stats are higher than I'm sure than anybody else's and our goals conceded are lower than anybody else's because nobody gets the ball off us very often unless we give it to them on the edge of our own box. But there are me included, fans inside this stadium and watching and listening at home who want the midfielders to turn and try an earlier more probing pass because Preston like you said very well organised Leicester have got beyond their midfield line once and that was on a counter attack
0: yep yeah, it's uh, well that's that's how we saw the first half hopefully uh, Leicester will get the better of Preston in the second half I, I can see this just being 1-0 you know whether it's a, a, a bundled finish from a substitute or an own goal who knows but like I'll take a 1-0 right now, you take a 1-0 before the game starts, as long as they win and get promoted, that's the main thing. But, uh, you know, we, we shall see, but hopefully those substitutions are made at half-time. We'll be back at the end of the game on this uh, special The Fox 8 podcast live at the King Power Stadium episode with me and Rob in the commentary box. Thoroughly enjoyable first half from a commentary point of view. Um, <laughs> a throwback to the old days, you might say, Rob. Right, well, the substitutes are warming up. Oh, here we go. The teams are coming out for the second half, so I better this off and get the commentary back on we're back at the end of the game well straight back up straight back up leicester city is the song and leicester have won here at the king power stadium by three goals to nil as uh, for the juice Hall song starts to play and uh, fitting really because it was two goals from the Sheffield land that, uh, well, first of all, broke the deadlock here at King Power after an hour, and then he uh, scored in the open goal in the 19th minute. Iheanacho uh, after 76 minutes, but uh, Leicester ran out comprehensive winners in the end, but uh, it
1: took until the hour mark to break the deadlock. Yeah, and this is exactly what Maresca said in his pre-match press conference. He said, we'll go and win it in the last 20 minutes. Choose be all opening and scoring after an hour, so they went and won it in the last half an hour, really, didn't they? Uh, Lovely finish. A bit fortuitous the way the ball got into the box with Dewsbury Hall's opener, but nice, calm, composed, left foot, uh, low finish into the bottom corner. Uh, Ian Acho after lovely work by Ndidi for the second, easy tap in. Preston didn't really have an answer. They they came out, played at quite a high pace, first five or 10 minutes of the second half, Preston. as Soon as Leicester got control again, and especially as soon as Dewsbury Hall's goal went in, there was never gonna be another winner of this game tonight. No,
0: it was a, a lovely goal, lovely finish. Slightly fortuitous the way it got through to Jules uh, Hall, but a low left-footed finish into the bottom right corner. Uh, Ianacho's goal, lovely work goal. Uh, indeed, he's crisp pass to the far post and then tapped in by Ianacho, who looked quite bright when he came on and then Jules uh, Hall rounding off a, a, a lovely cross by Mark Albrighton and I thought the, the, the take by Ianacho, right at his stride, side-footed, uh, superb excellent save it has to go down that's probably slightly accidental really shame it didn't go in because that would have been a lovely finish from Iheanacho but the follow up from uh, Jusby Hall uh, makes it a a very good win for Leicester and a boost to the goal difference as well you
1: have to say absolutely and another clean sheet and a return to the top of the table and now a seven point gap down to third place so I mean it's everything that you'd want from a Wednesday night home game against a team that started the season really well Uh, and you can even see in the last minute, there was a chance for a fourth for Leicester. Things had opened up. Preston had given up. And, and Maresca had his head in his hands that Leicester didn't convert the fourth got uh, the fourth goal in the game. So it's clear that, yes, it's methodical. And yes, first half in particular, it's pretty steady. As I can finally bring my voice <laughs> down because the music is deafening here at times. Oh, here we go. Another track. Good. Um, but, but in the second half, Leicester up the pace up the intensity, up the intent as well. There were many more forward passes in the final third in that second period. And it just shows the kind of football that Moresco wants to play. It's almost like do 45 minutes of this, maybe 60 minutes of this, and then do the final half an hour because we're unlikely to concede because we keep the ball so well. I think at one point the possession stats came up on the big screens here at the King Power at 75%, which is just a ridiculous stat to have. I know Preston was sitting off, but it's, it, it was comfortable. Uh, it was enjoyable after half time. Didn't really enjoy the first half, to be honest. But here we are 3 0 winners.
0: Yeah, 3 0 winners. And you'll you see the result. And, and to be honest, and, and I know we're talking about another side here, Preston, who have done well. But it, I mean, they, they were a typical championship side, you have to say. There were one or two good performances. I thought Potts, the fullback, had a really good game, Brad Potts. Um, by far their standout. But. Uh, they didn't offer a lot going forward, Leicester just by far the dominant side and if they scored an early goal in the first half it could have been a really big score here, you know if the game got opened up more because Preston would have had to challenge Leicester, they would have been told to do that by their 3,000 fans and eventually when they did it opened up. Um, So yeah still a few question marks about that first half but again you've won the game 3-0, you're back at the top of the table and uh, well I think in the... uh, In the volume of the King Power Stadium which is now rapidly empty I think it's time for us to to actually go back outside of the King Power and discuss the players in maybe more detail give our man of the match quick thoughts before the weekend as well. Right back outside of the King Power Stadium so a slightly easier record as me and uh, me and Rob walk away from the King Power so so Leicester win by, what, three goals to nil and fairly comfortable at the end as we walk down the back of the East End away from the Memorial Garden and still fans using the clappers and cars all lined up. It's going to take an age because there's some horrible roadworks on Elston Road, I reckon, isn't it, Rob?
1: Absolutely. That's why I uh, I got stuck in them on the way here, but I got in nice and early, so there wasn't really that much traffic, but I, am not, I didn't park there. I've parked near Saffron Lane, so I'm going back up Saffron Lane. There's a traffic and travel update for you.
0: Yeah, I've got uh, I'm in the British gas, so I'm gonna be uh gonna be an age, it's gonna be tomorrow. But uh, but never mind, we're on our way back and uh yeah, so let we'll just go through some of the players. Well we'll go through the team individually. I mean the goalkeeper had nothing to do, so I don't think it's even worth he made one save dive into his right, which uh, I think took a deflection, so yeah, but he didn't really have anything to do. Uh and, and the defence I suppose really as well. I mean Cody coming back to match fitness, it's a perfect game really. There was a, a tackle late on um, I think it was from Woodman, the, uh, the substitute, which was a bit naughty, really. To be honest, it uh, you know again him and Ricardo went down on a couple of challenges in he Thornbury, but um, perfect game really. Didn't have to do an awful lot at all, and again just getting 90 minutes under his belt is a is a great thing. So so that's uh, Cody. Um, I thought Vass was very good, um, probably the one defender to get forward the most, um, as you would imagine on the right side of those of that back line. Uh, and did very well when doing so.
1: Yeah, what I liked about Fass was that he was. I think Cody was a little bit laboured at times, and that I mean, at the base of the three defenders, that's what he kind of has to be. But Fass, every time he got the ball, he looked to try and play forward. He looked to at least inject a bit of pace into things. He barely, he rarely slowed things down. Justin did a bit of the same on the other side, to be fair to him as well. But they get a lot of the ball, so it's nice to see that they're showing a bit of a uh, bit of intention.
0: Yeah, I thought Justin was. Um, it, it was it was good today. I mean, end of uh, day, didn't have an awful lot to do. Um, tackled on occasion when you're caught on the touchline, you're going to occasionally lose the ball, but uh, didn't really get forward. I suppose is the main thing. But again, he's not in that position too, because he's in that back line to be the kind of the, one of the anchor players to be just in case you need that pace at the back because Ricardo is going to push forward and Ricardo was essentially a central midfielder. It was three at the back really for Leicester. Um, and I thought Ricardo was um, was decent in midfield. I thought he was going to have taken off actually for um, for Chowdery but uh, carried on, and uh, I think had a quietly efficient game um, alongside Winks, who, uh, well, he, he I've said a few times, played with his slippers on. Really, it's a very accomplished performance, and in this sort of game, it just shows that he is a level above this, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I think I saw him misplace two passes in an entire game, and when you see the ball as often as he does. In the game, two out of—I mean, I'm sure Opta are counting it somewhere—but two out of hundreds of passes, nothing really. I think one loose touch, two loose passes. Everything else, he's—he's he's like the metronome that keeps Maresca ball ticking, which is why he's such an important player and why he rarely misses out. Because anybody else you put in there doesn't quite do the job in the same way. So he's very important to Leicester, keeping the ball moving. Um, doesn't take too many risks which you know some people like some people don't like i'm still on the fence with it to be honest with you but he, i mean he's a he's a classy football he's a premier league central midfielder playing against a championship team tonight impressed preston he made he made them look very very average
0: yeah i think he's an absolutely perfect per, uh, player in that role absolutely perfect um and also i think he can play that role in the premier league so uh, yeah very happy and then you just go forward i thought Jewsbury hall interesting Jewsbury hall and indeedy um, and Didi, I thought was going to be replaced. If we had to replace him at half time, like we said, maybe Cassidy coming on for him. If we were kind of panicking, wanted to get someone forward, you know. But uh, Andi in the second half, I thought he started the second half actually really well, a lot more impetus, a lot getting forward more, and um, and also then that uh, crisp uh, side footed pass for then for for Coletti and Nacho's for the second goal. So yeah, uh, he made a an impact with that pass uh, in a game where. He didn't really, you know, I say, he didn't really have an impact overall, but he still made a telling contribution. And I suppose, Kieran Hall, you can say exactly the same. I thought first half quite disappointing, really. Actually, I think probably below average uh, for him and, and for this Leicester performance. But then in the second half, scored an excellent goal uh, with his left foot. There was a few opportunities where he could have pulled the trigger, maybe with his right, but decided not to. And um, but yeah, yeah, you know, he broke the deadlock. Um, I don't probably think it's enough to give him a man of the match score in the two goals. And then, of course, followed up the, uh, the, with the second goal, Leicester's third. Um, but, uh, yeah, probably a, a quiet game, really, even though he scored twice.
1: Yeah, which is a strange thing to see, when, uh, especially if you looked at it afterwards. If you didn't see the game and you saw the fact that he was a double goal scorer. But I, I think it was Preston's shape that made it difficult for him to get involved in the game. And Didi was peeling really wide on the left... Uh, and you and I spoke about maybe Dewsbury Hall might have been better off trying to take up those spaces. So it's on his left foot and he has a bit more time on the ball because he's a better technician than N- Ndidi in many ways. But Dewsbury Hall rarely, rarely got on the ball for Leicester. The only times he did was when the game stretched out a little bit and that happened towards the, the final quarter of the game, really. He got his goal, I know, on the hour mark, but he didn't really come into the game until those final 20, 25 minutes. Uh, and that, I think that's credit to Preston in, in many ways. They doubled up on Mavadidi quite a lot, Preston. Uh, it nullified him. I thought it was probably his poorest game in a Leicester shirt. But we won 3-0. He could have a rest for an hour uh, and there's no harm done there. But they nullified Jewsbury Hall as well because the, the the midfield was so deep. There was very little space between the, the defence and the midfield. So there wasn't a lot of space between the lines, and Jewsbury Hall just really couldn't operate very much. Having said that, he scored two goals and we won 3-0, so...
0: Yeah, I'd probably agree with Mavadidi. I thought obviously he had that in the first half where he made a couple of players and he had his opportunity to deliver. Uh, didn't, on occasion, did and no one was on the end of it. But then again, was that a, a, a loose pass, a loose cross? Uh, second half, he didn't really have a touch. Um, again, up against the excellent pots, the right-back for um, with the top-knot for uh, for Preston. So, uh, yeah, and he was brought off. On came Matt Gunner, who I thought was, uh, look, Comfortable and he's got a bit of an attitude about him as well, a good attitude. Gets stuck in and gets the, the ball back in that. I, I think he's got a decent attitude, but um, yeah, he was on the right, and then the move um, Fatou on the other side, who again, quietly efficient game. What he did, he did well. He got one chance to beat a man to get to the byline, did so, and cut the ball back at the start of the second half, and again, didn't really misplace any passes. Um, probably would like to see more of him in the first half, but again, a, a, a quietly efficient game We're waiting for that big explosive performance but it, it's obviously there and he is very very classy and we can see the quality he has and then you look at Jamie Vardy up front who had scraps to feed off really, wasn't quite his game, uh, a lovely through ball again by Fatou uh, just in front of Vardy in the start of the, the second half before Vardy came off Um maybe a half a yard of pace um possibly could have got on the end of it but there you go and then Ignatius came on and scored and 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 held the ball up and linked the play quite nicely really um so got a man of the match rob why why can't we have a man of the match uh go on what who was your man of the match today for Leicester?
1: i, I knew you'd put me on the spot with something like this <laughs> um it's a, it's a difficult one to to
0: give really because we've won three we've 0 but and it is it's difficult. I, I I'm I'm still
1: not decided. That's why you've put the question onto me. So I'm going to stall a little bit and say if I'm Jamie Vardy in this team, I'm I'm fifty fifty on whether I'm enjoying myself because of, co- of course he is enjoying himself. But like he played today, the first what hour ish of the game, right? Like you said, scraps to feed off. Leicester had no intention Of putting him in behind Really very often At all But he knows He's got to do a job He's wearing the armband He's leading the line He's looking after the ball He's linking the play If I then come off As Vardy And go and sit on the bench And watch the game Just completely open up And watch Iheanacho Have all of those chances I'm sitting there Absolutely fuming Because I'm like I would have scored at least a couple of them. Ian Atcho was uh, was unlucky not to score the second when he, he cushioned that sort of lovely side foot half volley that, that lovely, came really. came off the feet of the keeper and out for Dewsbury Hall. But you know, I I might I might go and have a word with the gaffer and say, look, I don't mind only playing half an hour. If you make Ianacho do all the hard graft in the first hour, I'll come on when it stretches out and I'll get some of my goals. But you know, he's he's of an age now and a, and a position in the squad now where. He's the leader, he needs to lead from the front and and, uh, I think he'll appreciate that role as well. He's scored plenty of goals in his career, hasn't he? And in answer to the man of the match question, I still haven't got one, so back to you. Okay. well, (laughs) I I, I just think... I just think
0: in this first half performance, you can't give it to Dewsbury Hall, even though he broke the deadlock and it was an excellent goal. I think if Leicester win 1-0, he probably gets it for that. But because they didn't... I think probably Winks is the man of the match because, in this sort of game, I know he's the best player. He's a very good player, but he he played very well and he hardly gave the ball away. He was the linchpin of the side, and I think without having Vestergaard, he had the ball more often. I think Vestergaard would have had the ball an awful lot, and it possibly could have. He possibly could have got a little bit more stagnated if Vestergaard was playing it almost because he would have been able to really put his foot on the ball unlike Cody and then try and start the play instead of passing the ball forward for Winks always like they did. I, I like that more. I like giving Winks the ball more. And I, I, so I, I think he's probably the man of the match today. Slightly ahead of, uh, I'd say, I'd say probably, obviously Juice Hall scored twice so he has to be up there but... Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Winks, and and also as we edge towards where my car park is, even though I ain't moving from this for an awful long time, looking at the traffic, I'm going to have to go right under the underpass and out to the M on that way. Um, but at least I got to beat my horn actually if I go under the underpass. Uh, a quick look to Saturday. Um, I I mean Stoke are in bad form, aren't they? They're, they're not a good side at the moment. Um, they've got uh, yeah, it's, it's I can't see any reason why Stoke don't turn up and be pretty much exactly the same as Preston. I think Preston will naturally probably fall back uh, into kind of mid-table or into the playoffs. I don't think they'll be, or just below the playoffs, I don't think they'll be up there for the entirety. Uh, I just don't think they have the the squad depth, they've got some decent players, but uh, you know they're they're kind of an average, well put together, well drilled uh, championship side and I think Stoke on oh, average, with some decent players, but at the moment, not quite well drilled uh, championship side. So, and, and also very low on confidence. So I can't, I can't see any reason, Rob, why Leicester can't go and do exactly what they did tonight. And it's probably in the same format, maybe even nil-nil at half time and in the second half win.
1: I think you'll see exactly the same pattern of play. I think uh, it's likely that there'll be a few changes because a lot of players played tonight who played uh, at the weekend as well. Uh, and you'll probably look at that and think Stoke, right down the league, only three wins all season, back-to-back home games for Leicester, on the back of uh, a 3-0 tonight, another full house. I-, I can see it going exactly the same way. I can see the first half being pretty steady, one goal maybe, if, you- if you're if you lucky. Uh, I- I'll tell you what, I've been impressed with the clean sheets. And I don't very often predict Leicester to have a clean sheet because there's every single game there's at least one occasion where the ball's given away in or around our penalty area just by the insistence on passing it around. So what I'm going to do is make things more exciting by predicting a clean sheet because that means that they won't get one and then there'll be a bit more jeopardy in the game. So, but I can see Leicester scoring f- four goals past Stoke. I'm going to go, I'm going to go four one and Leicester to stay top of the championship and I, I tell you what let's make an early punt on Leicester not falling off the top of the championship from here on in how about that <laughs> here we go that's what I would to hear give I, me some odds on that
0: uh, well I'm um, I'm I'm going to go for a home win I'm, I tell you what I'm going to go for back to back 3-0 wins um, and I'm going to go for um, a 0-0 half time so 0-0 half time exactly the same as today um, similar game similar lineup. And hopefully a similar outcome. But uh, well, we'll be back with a fox for Fox Eight podcast um, next week, and it won't be live from the King Power Stadium. We're back in our usual position, so you'll be up in uh, in Sheffield, and I'll be down in, in Leighton Buzzard, so miles away from Leicester, both of us. But uh, it's been an interesting podcast doing it actually at the King Power Stadium. Hopefully, it sounds okay. Obviously, this is before we we edit it and. Realised that actually the music at the Power Stadium is blaring too much actually. That Wonderwall was loud wasn't it? So um, hopefully it's okay and uh, well yeah quite an exciting podcast actually on the back of another win and Leicester City are top of the table once again and Rob as you said earlier a little bit of uh, a gap developing to third place now in the league.